Today on CityCast Denver. Summer is coming, and so are the scooters. Since they first landed in Denver back in 2018, they've mostly stayed near the money. Downtown, uptown, Capitol Hill. But this week, City Council is looking at a proposal to get them to more people who could really use them. Parts of the city that tend to have lower incomes, more households without cars, lots of children or older adults, and parts of the city that for a long time have really been disadvantaged, overlooked when it comes to transportation infrastructure. How the city could be teaming up with private scooter companies to finally fix our transportation system once and for all. It's a starting point, and let's continue to improve the program as it goes forward. Today is Monday, March 29th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Let's take a look at the news. Since we're always talking about it, here's the weather forecast for today. In typical Denver spring fashion, we'll see a high of 70 degrees and a low of 29 degrees by nightfall. It's one of those short sleeves in the sun, puffy coat in the shade kind of days. King Supers has donated $1 million to the Colorado Healing Fund to help loved ones and survivors of last week's shooting in Boulder. If you would like to contribute, visit coloradohealingfund.org. The city and county of Denver has started a service to bring COVID vaccinations to at-risk Denverites in their homes. To sign up, call the Denver Department of Public Health and Environment and select option four for at-home vaccinations. Tune in later this week for our larger discussion on vaccines and the disability community. If you follow me, you know I have a complicated relationship with scooters. People ride them so fast on the sidewalk, which is already a tough place for pedestrians, particularly people with disabilities. And at a certain point, the scooters just become trash. I'd be lying to you if I said I'd never knocked over a scooter intentionally. But at the same time, my friend David Sachs at Denverite recently reported on a survey that said 32% of scooter riders would have otherwise driven. So it seems like these scooters really do have a place in that hypothetical multimodal transit utopia I keep hearing about. Jill, would you pronounce your full name for me so I make sure I say it right? Sure. It's Locantore. Uh, Locantore. Okay. I thought so. I just it's wanted to make sure. It's Italian, so just channel your inner Italian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jill Locantore is Executive Director of Denver Streets Partnership, an advocate for safer streets. So tomorrow, the City Council's Transportation Committee is set to discuss a new proposal to regulate scooters and bike share. Can you explain what the proposal is and where it came from? So they're shifting away from the previous system, which was a permit-based system. And basically, any company that complied with the minimum requirements could get a permit and operate scooters and bike share in Denver. So we had a whole variety of different companies that were operating they're shifting to a license agreement where they put out a request for proposals and companies had to compete to be selected and then negotiate with the city the terms of that license agreement. And the intention that the city had was they wanted to extract more benefits from the, the companies, making okay. sure that they're really providing something that's gonna be of value to Denver residents. 
I think the initial idea was they would select just one company. They ended up selecting two that they are now putting before city council. When scooters first appeared on the streets in 2018, they were kind of just dropped in neighborhoods. Can you talk a little bit about that initial sort of, I don't know if it's a launch or a deployment? (laughs) Yeah, previously Denver didn't have any system for regulating scooter share because it, it, it didn't exist before 2018. So the companies just showed up and overnight the the scooters appeared on the street um, and to its credit the the city moved pretty fast faster than the typical speed of government um, to set up this permit program like within months right exactly Um, and there was you know definitely flaws in the program and they learned a lot uh, which they are incorporating into the the license agreement to try and better regulate how they're deployed throughout the city Can you talk a little bit about those flaws or sort of what was the initial issue with the permitting program? I mean, it's hard to implement something after an event happens, but sort of what were the issues with just having a permit program for scooters versus this new licensing idea? Well, one of the big problems was there was no clear space to park the scooters. You know, unlike Mm. cars, we have oodles of public space on our city streets where it's clearly designated for car parking and For the most part, that's where people park their cars, but we don't have anything analogous for scooters. So people weren't sure where to leave them and they would leave them, you know, in the middle of the sidewalk or other places that were really inconvenient. Uh, So part of the new license agreement is they actually are getting the companies to build parking corrals for bikes and scooters at strategic locations around the city. So there is an obvious place for people to park them and they aren't leaving them in the sidewalk or other inconvenient places. Sure, like curb cuts, places where pedestrians, especially folks with disabilities, are trying to access the street or the sidewalk. Exactly. We just have so little space for anything other than cars. You know, we're all kind of fighting for scraps on the the margins of the street. So the more we can gradually reclaim some of that space from cars and instead use it for things like storing scooters or bikes, the less conflict there'll be between all of these people trying to use our limited street space. That's a good way to think about it because initially when you said that, like corrals for these, I'm thinking, oh my God, where on the sidewalk would they go? But you're right. If maybe we can take up one metered parking spot, which I know in Denver, taking away people's parking is a, <laughs> it's a that is a sticky issue, but it would allow for so many more people to utilize this. This is what's considered micro mobility, right? The scooter bike share programs. We call it micromobility to refer to any type of vehicle that's about the size and speed of a bicycle. Okay. Okay. So um, with the new licensing program that they're looking at implementing, how does this benefit the public, especially when we look at an issue of equity? So equity is a big concern for us. You know, we feel like scooters, if they are available, should be available to all Denver residents, regardless of where you live. Um, And so part of that is making sure when the scooters are distributed around the city each day, that they're distributed in, in all kinds of different neighborhoods, not just in downtown, for example. With the license agreement, the city is requiring the providers to put at least 30% of the scooters into what they call equity areas. Those are parts of the city that tend to have lower incomes, more household without cars, lots of children or older adults, 
um, and parts of the city that for a long time have really been disadvantaged, overlooked when it comes to transportation infrastructure and the like. Um, so the city has mapped out those areas and is requiring the providers to put at least 30% of their scooters in those areas each day. We'll have to see how the scooters move around during the day and, and how long they stay in those neighborhoods, but at least once a day, they will be relocated to those parts of the city. Okay. So that even if those scooters are taken out of the neighborhood, this program would require them to come bring, be brought back by the, the program itself. At least once a day. Okay. So let's say these companies neglect to relocate their scooters to these low-income areas without as many transportation options. For instance, my neighborhood. What leverage does the city have to enforce any of this? So with this license agreement, if the providers don't comply with these requirements, like their scooters are chronically being left in places that are blocking the sidewalk or they're not regularly being distributed to the equity index areas, the city can actually reduce the number of scooters that are allowed to be on the street. So they may reduce their fleet size by 10% and then 20% and then 50%. And if they're still not complying, they may even eventually suspend the license temporarily or worst case scenario, they could re revoke the license entirely. And I know this conversation has um, come before city council initially, and one of the concerns that a couple of council people have brought up is this idea of um, a, pu a public-private partnership between the city of Denver and these, these companies. Can you talk a little bit more about how your organization, Denver Streets Partnership, feels about that idea of the public-private partnership? Yeah, we've long advocated for the city to invest in and manage micromobility like public transit. Yes. You know, there is no form of transportation that's been successful without some kind of subsidy. We believe you just need to publicly subsidize that. And we also believe that micromobility should be part of our transportation system. It's a safer, more environmentally friendly, more space efficient way for people to get around than driving. So if we want to meet our goals for climate change, for health equity, we think micromobility must be part of that solution. So do you think that just knowing sort of what you know about the current makeup of council, what do you think they're going to do with this proposal? Do you think it'll easily pass? Well, they've asked a, a lot of really tough questions, uh, you know, and I think a lot of those questions are fair uh, when we're talking about allowing private companies to operate and, and, you know, generate a profit by using public space. I think we should really scrutinize that and ask a lot of questions. Um, and they had so many questions the first time they got a briefing from the Department of Transportation that they asked for a second briefing so they could get additional answers to those questions. And and we'll see, you know, I think it's a little uncertain at this point whether city council will move forward or not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I our position is, you know, this may not be the perfect form of micro mobility at this point in time, but because we want scooter and bike share to be available for Denver residents, especially as the weather's getting warmer in the summer months, you know, we're encouraging the city to go ahead and move forward with these license agreements, but treat it as a starting point and let's continue to improve the program as it goes forward. The City Council's Transportation Committee is set to discuss this proposal tomorrow, Tuesday, March 30th. So if you've got an opinion, now is the time.
We're going to put a link in the show notes to help you find your city council member and more important, their email address. Or better yet, check out our newsletter at citycast.fm forward slash Denver for more information. Whenever I see a Denver voice vendor, I stop and buy a copy. I get excited. It's fun to talk to someone new for a few minutes, but also to know that I'm getting an excellent piece of journalism from experts in the community. The Voice provides a space for our unhoused neighbors to share their experiences and perspectives, for them to say, this is who we are and this is how we exist in the world. I'm sure I'm not the only one who misses seeing voice vendors while I'm out and about, so I'd like to introduce Voice on the Street, a new partnership between CityCast Denver and the Denver Voice. Our first voice on the street belongs to longtime vendor John Alexander. He's got a story to tell about his very own and very 2020 medical mystery. So I was at work, at the office, nice, beautiful day. And uh, I left. And I started my happy journey. I was on, uh, to be uh, specific, I was on uh, 16th and Downing on my way up to Colfax up there by uh, Father John's Pizza. And uh, I'm walking, I'm walking, it's normal. And then I just started like a machine, just walking backwards that I had no control over, walking and stepping backwards. And then I fell straight backwards, just like um, a big tree. I hit my head uh, on the sidewalk, bullseye 100%. I tried to get up and walk again. And I went a few steps and uh, and it was just like a jump. Two or three steps forward and four or five steps backwards and bam. John doesn't really have a good memory of what happened to him on the sidewalk along Colfax that afternoon. But he does know he made some phone calls. And uh, these are some things I find out a couple months or so later that I did make contact. I did call somebody. I spoke with one of the uh, head editor, uh, Jennifer, and uh, I told her I don't know where I'm at. And I told her that I was very scared. After he got off the phone with Jennifer, he got a hold of a friend who let him crash for the night. And that Saturday morning, which was another nice day, I kind of remember briefly. And I went downstairs and... Jennifer was there with the ambulance and the drivers. From there, it was about another three weeks or so before I remembered anything. When I began to understand more and everything else, and I began to even ask questions, well, what, what happened? What are you talking about? What's wrong? Why, why am I here? Well, you had, you had COVID, and then you had, you had a stroke, and, then, and they would be speaking uh, just casually and so fast, and, and I, had to, I would stop. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hey, let's go back a little bit. Did you say COVID? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had the COVID and everything else. And then, but, the, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, what about this COVID? Well, you had COVID, but your body or the your immune system kind of helped fight it off a lot. Uh, one of the main things that left you with was uh, blood clots. So the COVID was gone, but you, you, you had blood clots, steady building up in your body that came from going through the bout of having COVID. And this is what causes strokes and 
is about to cause a massive heart attack as far as what we can see here. And that's what I went through. And uh, that's what I seem to was given, blessed to give, given victory over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our fantastic morning newsletter. We'll be back Wednesday morning with more news from around the city. And scrub, scrub, scribe. <laughs> Subscribe.